should have unwound this earlier. Okay, so before we get started with the major portion of our graduation Sunday, we have a few um, elder graduates to draw attention to. The first is Lucas Hill. Manny and Bill have another graduate, but Lucas graduate, they have two graduations. That's an expensive spring for you um, with gifts and all that. Lucas graduated from Kansas State University, right? Okay, good. I was hoping I would hear something. Um, with a BS in mechanical engineering. So he's a smarty, he can do math. Um, and he has already started a job at um, Burns and Mac where he's an engineer and um, had an internship. Lucas is, Lucas has some game, let's just say. And we knew this from very early on in his um, time at Redemption Church. And he's working with the mission critical group. And um, we asked him what he has learned so far. And this, is, this was his big um, wisdom, nugget of wisdom. He's, he said, what I've learned so far is that life is really just killing time in between meals. So those are Lucas's priorities. Um, this reminds me of his senior speech, actually. Um, some of you know what that means, that was his thing. Um, we also have another graduate, Christina Hubbard. Um, Christina and Bobby have been part of our church for a while and their family. Christina is a really gifted um, writer and podcaster. And she is receiving a certificate in spiritual formation from the Renovari Institute. Um, Renovari Institute is, a, um, is kind of roughly part of the whole Dallas Willard and um, who's the other guy? Richard Foster thing. Just these um, brilliant Christians thinking about how we connect to God and pushing the church toward learning how to pray learning how to tend to the soul. And so Christina has been studying there for a while. She's getting a certificate in spiritual formation. And um, it's, it was a two-year program in what's called the With God Life. That's their language. And we asked her what she's learning. She said, I learned how to shape my life after Christ's invocation, practice, and friendship. And she said that her plans include creating a spiritual mentorship program for artists um, she's an artist and really gifted one. And then also she's pursuing a master's in theology and the arts. So congratulations to Lucas Hill and to Christina Hubbard. We're really um, proud of you guys. And that brings us to the main thing. Um, seniors. All right, raise your hands. Where are you? Are you all over here? Is this everybody? Yeah, that's a fine looking group. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to go like this a little bit then, which is weird, I know, but forgive me. So in our society, graduation, high school graduation, kind of gives you this little bit of a, like a civic honor. This, it's, a, it's a change in status, sort of. Like from now on, you say, I'm a high school graduate. And that actually means something in our society. Part of what it means is just you've proven to everyone, whoever doubted you maybe, that you can finish something um, because you have and see something through to the end, um, but it's a change in status in like our civic society. But in Redemption Church, this is also kind of a moment of a spiritual rite of passage, not kind of a moment. This is a big moment, a big spiritual rite of passage for each of you. Um, and it's when your church recognizes you as no longer a kid, like you're an adult, from here on out, in the eyes of the church. You are part of us. It's a change in status. And 
the change in status comes not because today we decided. It becomes because of what you've done over the last few years as part of this church, demonstrating your maturity, helping to lead within youth groups, showing fidelity to the church. You've done this, and we've been watching. We see you. We see you, what you have done. And so we're here, all of us, your church family, to say, well done. And because of your faithfulness, we want to invite you into a, a new moment, a new season of your life with the church. And the, and the season is, you're, you're one of us as an adult. And um, as we've watched you struggle, as we've watched you persevere, um, there, there's been a sense that we're guiding you. Almost kind of like, in a sense, I mean, you're, you're dependent on your parents, right? You're, you're kind of dependent on the adults in your life. Part of what we're recognizing now is that from this point on, we know that in a sense we're, we're becoming more and more dependent on you. For the church to live on, it's going to depend on your faithfulness. You guys will lead us. Some of you do already. M many of you leading uh, up front in worship and other things like that. If the church is going to live on into the future, we're dependent on you. And this is how it should be. And this brings us, your church family, great joy. Um, especially in a class like this. You guys, are, this is the biggest class ever at Redemption Church. And um, also just a bunch of really gifted, faithful people. And so this is a big deal for us. This is a big morning for us. We're so proud and so grateful that you're part of our lives. So if you are going to continue to see yourself as part of the church from, from now on, we can't make you. Some of you, that's been true for a while now, but we, we really can't make you. You're going to have to choose it. Now it's up to you. And the future of the church depends on the choice that you make, in a sense. Every week that you've been at Redemption Church, we've um, prayed a blessing over you, that you would never know a single moment of your life that you don't feel like you're part of the people of God. And we pray that every day because we knew the day would come when it's up to you. We've blessed you every week knowing that eventually that blessing will turn around and you'll take the reins. And, and so now it's up to you to be a blessing because of your choice. Every new generation has to kind of let the church be reborn among them. And so it's your turn. Um, part of why we take the whole morning for graduation on Sunday, on graduation Sunday, is is really not to have a sentimental moment, although there's some, there is some of that, but it's so we could say this to you. And so that you would know that it's not a small thing. We just take the whole Sunday and, and we do it up. This is the moment where we say, um, we want it to be you guys who carries the church into the future, and we believe in you. And we're confessing that we need you, and there's a lot riding on you. And so our prayer for you today, we're going to talk a lot about what it is, but it's mostly that you'll be blessed, that you'll find your place in the church, and that you'll come alongside us and begin to take responsibility for this body in particular or for wherever it is that you land. And so, graduates, man, we're so proud of you and um, grateful to be with you here this morning. So I'm going to call up Cole McGee, who is going to take it from here. Do you need this, stand? You got that one? Okay. So Cole McGee is our youth pastor and has been walking alongside these kids for a long time. So give it up for Cole. That's fine. Just put it like this. Give them a round of applause. Look at that. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'm going to begin. I'm going to stand over here because what's going to happen is uh, we have our we have 16 graduates and they are uh, they are in rows, which is their groups. I will call you up by your row, group row one, two, three, and four, and you'll just line up this way with the person that I goes first uh, is on this side, and you'll stand right in the middle. But before I begin, I forgot. Let me take this off. Uh, what I <laughs> I want to begin by what I always say about this class of seniors. I say this all the time. I was probably closer to this class top to bottom than any class of seniors I've ever had. I say that a lot. But th this group, um, when, when I came to Redemption, they were in seventh grade. And so they've never really known uh, a youth pastor uh, other than me. Uh, God helped them. And I, it's funny, though. Um, I have this drama that runs through my head quite a bit. It's a, it's a fantasy, so to speak, about what kind of adults our church or our youth ministry will form. I have this idea uh, of what these kids will be like as adults. And this imagination, like this, this like vision for it, in some way uh, shapes everything I do in every event that I plan, every talk that I give. And so I vulnerably share with you this, dr this dream of mine. Uh, I want these students to not be buried under the weight of shame. When they're older, I want them to feel empowered to call out teachers who, or anyone who in some way manipulates people into decisions for Jesus by shaming them or scaring them. And I want these students to walk into whatever church they find themselves in. And I want them to ask the pastors, the elders, the leadership of that congregation, where are all the homeless people at? Uh, because do you have ashtrays out front? Because if you care about homeless people, you're going to definitely need some ashtrays. I want them to stand outside the front doors of their church, and I want them to ask the church leadership wherever they find themselves. Would our neighbors even care if the church disappeared? And I want them to have an idea for why the church matters, so that if and when they are looking for a community in the future, they will know the difference between a church and a business. I guess in other words, I want each of these students to be a giant pain in the butt to every church, elder, or pastor they serve with. I want them to be a giant pain. I just always imagined that these students would become that pain after they left youth ministry, not freshman year. Because let me tell you, freshman year with this group was awesome. Uh, but this group, they burn hot. This group is a lot. Uh, there is no chill in this group. They're all in. So what you're about to hear is our annual graduation ceremony. I'm going to be introducing to each student to the congregation, and then I'll be naming a spiritual gift in them. This spiritual gift is what I believe God is bringing into the world through them. And finally, their small group leader is going to be giving them a small book by Parker Palmer called Let Your Life Speak. I need all of you to read this. It's 80 pages. You can do this. Uh, promise me at some point, at some point, you will read it. And then once I give the introduction, uh, they will cross over to this side, symbolizing their passage from childhood to adulthood here at, at Redemption. But let me finish with this. It took me five years to figure out something about this group. And I would like to share with you this realization. As I said, this group is all in. They burn hot. They are ready to go. They have energy and joy and passion. But the thing that I realized about this group is, is something unique. They want the work. And they may need encouragement. 
They may need guidance and wisdom in, in relationships. But at the end of the day, this group wants to do the work of learning how to love. They aren't afraid. They aren't scared. They are asking you to include them in the work of being the church. Whether it's working with kids, as some of them have done for years, working with the homeless, soundboard at the back, leading worship, they want to help. And the question is, will we let them? So let's begin. First row, if you guys can come up. Mickey, you're first right here in the middle. You just stand right that way. Perfect. No, you're great. This is great. No, that's good. Mickey, you can go right there, right? Yeah, you're good. Okay. So Michaela, this is Michaela. Everyone say hi. Wave hi. Yep. Uh, Michaela has almost been, I believe this is true, a lifelong member of Redemption Church. She was involved heavily in youth group from 7th to 10th grade. Uh, and 11th and 12th grade became a crazy busy time for Michaela because something you need to know about her is she works and she works a lot on all the things that she's really passionate about. Uh, she works harder than me. Uh, she works probably harder than you. Uh, and there is just no chill for Michaela. She, she sets a goal and she gets to work accomplishing it. One time I remember going to Michaela's middle school track event at Santa Fe Trail because everyone was like, you have to see Michaela run, you have to see Michaela run. She's, she's crazy, she's insane, you gotta watch her run. And so I was, it was like the 800 or something, I really don't know what it was. Valerie corrected me multiple times. But I was looking away when the race began, like I was, I was talking, probably to your dad. And I look up and I see this massive group of, of middle schoolers all running and their little arms and legs are just all pumping and they're all working really hard. And I was like, I can't see Michaela, where's she at? And your dad was like, oh, she's over there. And I looked and you were putting crazy distance between you and the rest of this middle school group. You were crushing those middle schoolers. You were lapping them. It was insane. And the, it was so much so that the kids' parents were probably standing on the sidelines, shaking their heads, trying to figure out a way to get their child from the finish line to the minivan without being seen with them. It was incredible. It was incredible. Uh, Michaela, this is why I name in you the gift of healing. I imagine you're, you're wondering, what did that story have to do with healing? Um, see, the thing is, Michaela, you do have this crazy work ethic. And you use it to achieve a lot of stuff for yourself. And you should. That's awesome. But one time, I remember you sat in my office. I don't know if you remember this, but you sat in my office and you told me your dreams. While that dream might have changed over the years, I'm sure. The heart that crafted that dream, I know is there. You said you wanted to help people. You wanted to help people who are trying to get healthier, but they feel stuck. Maybe because of economics or trauma or disabilities, whatever it is. You said you wanted to help people live, eat, and be healthier. Well, I know you will start a business or, or, or do some big thing. I know you'll do all that. Don't neglect that desire to help people. Sometimes, in an effort to establish ourselves, all of the clutter clouds out why we started down the road in the first place. Don't lose that heartache for the vulnerable and the weak. I pray that it guides your strong work ethic and drive. All of those things are from God. Michaela, we love you and we're proud of you. Yeah, you can go sit over there. This is Gabriel. Uh, if it wasn't for Gabriel's older brother, Kevin, uh, I probably wouldn't be working at Redemption Church right now. Uh, his brother started a fight club in a bathroom, and uh, I met Ke Kevin, and this is how I met the Bustamante family. Uh, if it wasn't for Gabriel, though, 
I wouldn't be the kind of youth pastor I am right now. Gabriel changed my life. I've never told him that, but he has. There were four friends from the neighborhood that took a huge risk to come to youth group here at Redemption. Uh, last year, seniors Jesus and Andres walked in first, but soon after was Gabriel and Julio. Gabriel invited every friend he knew to youth group. I mean, he invited a lot of people. I one time said, hey, you should invite some friends. And it was like, if there was a kid at Olathe North who needed new friends, who needed a new community, or somebody to tell them that they mattered, Gabriel was like the first person to, to, to say, you should come to youth group. It didn't even matter if it was Wednesday. Sometimes Gabriel would just stop by my church on a Monday and be like, hey, friend, this is Cole. And I would just meet this random stranger, and I, I was like, what is happening right now? But I knew what Gabriel was doing. I knew what he was up to. I knew that Gabriel saw someone who was hurting and thought, they need good friends. They need to be close to, pe to the people of God. And Gabriel, this is why I name in you the gift of mercy. Gabriel has always been different. I once asked one of Gabriel's friends what Gabriel was like at school, and they said, and I quote, Gabriel is the best of us, man. To which I asked, who is us? What do you mean? And that kid looked at me like I was the dumbest person alive and said, the Mexicans, what do you think? <laughs> okay. Last thing. How did Gabriel change my life? Uh, Gabriel flipped my idea of ministry upside down. I was at Gabriel's soccer game and I met a pastor at a church in town while sitting in the crowd. And this, and this person asked me where I was a youth pastor at. And I told them, I was youth pastor at Redemption Church here. And I said, we were near Ridgeview Elementary. And this pastor said to me, um, oh, I'm so glad you're there. That neighborhood needs the church, you know. And I froze. And I didn't say much. But that, that statement angered me. It didn't sit right with me. You see, Gabriel and his family made me realize that often church people who look like me and act like me actually have it backwards. The Bustamante family have been strong Christians long before we got here. They didn't need us. We needed them. I needed Gabriel. Whew. So Gabriel, I will say to you, don't go too far, my guy. Or at least come back often. Because you don't realize how much you've changed our lives. Gabriel, we love you and we're proud of you. Allison Dunn. So Allison came to our youth group this year, and, and then our, our youth group ended. It was like one year, and then it was over. Uh, and in that short amount of time, though, it was interesting watching Allison. She seemed to totally connect with what our youth group is about. I, I, more, faster than a lot of kids, she understood kind of what was going on in our community. And I, I was interested to watch her because some kids, when they come to youth group, they just come for the fun, and that's great. And, and, but the moment that it gets vulnerable, they usually bail. And, uh, but there are kids like Allison, who, of course, wants to have fun. But you get the sense that they're after something more authentic, more real. They're after a community that is not just built around an activity, but a mission. Allison is very quiet, but that doesn't mean she doesn't have things to say. She's very cautious. She's deliberate. She takes her time. But there, I sense in Allison this low-level fire that sits under the surface. 
She doesn't just, she doesn't just commit to something because it sounds like a good time. And when I was coming up with Allison's gift, I actually combined two stories together to find it. On the one hand, Allison has the gift of knowledge. She's smart. She studies. She researches. She really goes through the mechanisms in her mind to find the truth of what she thinks and what she feels. But when, then something recently happened that made me realize that Allison lights up when she gets to do something with her knowledge. My wife Valerie said that she was talking to Allison about her dog Ada. Uh, Allison wants to work with animals as a career, and Valerie was asking her about our dog's growing hip issues. To which Valerie said Allison lit up and began going through a litany of stretches and exercises and things you can do and explanations for what was going on with the hips. Like this is this is how you fix this. You need to do this kind of thing and stretch this. And, and you realize that Allison gets energy from being able to share the information that she has learned to help people. Therefore, Allison, I name in you the gift of teaching. Teaching is not about downloading information into people's heads. Teaching is about going first. Teaching is about learning and growing and then showing people the path that you have already forged and then equipping those people to carry on without you there. You do that naturally. Allison, do not be afraid to lean into your gift. God is bringing that into the world through you. Allison, we love you and we're proud of you. Sophia Hill. Sophia has had a very strange history with our youth group. Uh, the first night ever she entered into our youth group, my wife Valerie shot her in the eye with a Nerf gun. <laughs> Do you remember this? I'm surprised you remember. It was, pretty, it was a pretty violent attack. Uh, year two of youth group at a middle school lock-in, a youth volunteer was throwing dodgeballs as hard as he could at her face, which she dodged all of them, by the way. Well done there. Uh, Freshman year was a big Halloween party where she invited a bunch of friends, but we had so much smoke in the smoke machines that we set off all the fire alarms twice. That happened. Uh, and while these stories are funny, or maybe, and some of them tragic, uh, Sophia, Sophia is an interesting kid. Actually, for me, and as I think back in my youth ministry days, you're somewhat of a novelty. I don't think I've ever had a kid like Sophia before. On the one hand, if Sophia doesn't really understand or really understand why she needs to do something, she's just like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like most of us, uh, and like most of us, Sophia, you know, she likes, she, if she can, she avoids struggle. If she doesn't have to go through it, why would you? She wants to live it up with her friends and love her life. And I say, yes, more power to you. Go for it. But the thing is, there are these moments in, with Sophia that something will activate in her. And then it's like she flips, and all of a sudden, she takes on the brunt of the battle. Sophia, this is why I name in you the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is not telling the future, right? The prophetic tradition of the Jewish people is made up of ordinary people who see injustice and move directly into it in order to speak the truth and help clean up the mess. Sophia can walk into a room, I've seen her do it multiple times, and she immediately knows who has power and who doesn't? Who's abusing that power and who isn't? Sophia is a radar for character. Like, she can read you. I'm not going to get this story exactly right, but I remember sitting at Starbucks with you, and I was trying to just check up and see how you were doing. And you let me glimpse a vulnerable version of yourself that I had not seen before. 
You told a story about Lucas, your older brother. You said that you were five or six, and you remember that Lucas had a friend over, and that friend was being mean to Lucas. You remember the story? Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Lucas was late in elementary school, and he could probably handle it himself, but you said it made you so mad that this friend was being mean. You couldn't understand why Lucas was just sitting there, letting his friend treat him so badly. And I remember looking at you at this part in the story, and you had tears in your eyes as you were describing that you wanted to yell at this kid and defend Lucas. That, was, that story was 13 years ago, and you were five, and you were sitting in the Starbucks still fired up about this memory. And that's when I knew. No matter where Sophia goes or what Sophia does, God will always be haunting you with this annoyance of injustice. <laughs> Don't be afraid to lean into it, Sophia. The difference between someone like me who studies and talks about it and someone who does something about it is often the ability to bear pain. When that sleeping lion wakes up in you, you activate and you aren't afraid. And let me be clear, not everyone is like that. That is the spirit of God in you, Sophia. Pay attention. Sophia, we love you and we're proud of you. Coming up here is Julio Isidore. Uh, let me be clear about something here. There has never been a student who has driven me more insane than Julio Isidore. Julio exists in my heart at the cross section of deep love and great frustration. <laughs> On the one hand, Julio is the friend you dream of. He is hilarious and fun, and he makes every moment better. And on the other hand, he just can't seem to see in himself what other people see in him, and it is maddening. Julio loves soccer. I have to mention this, but it really is the most least interesting thing about Julio. Let me be clear. He's really good at soccer. Uh, but what Julio really loves is relationships. Julio loves people. He loves being around people. He loves doing stuff with people. And since the beginning of my time at this church, Julio has made a ton of relationships around here. And it is not just with students. It's with adults. A lot of you adults know who Julio is. I remember asking Julio one time when we were sit setting up Nine Square in the sanctuary. It was just like right over there. I said, when you think about God, Julio, what do you think about? And he paused for a second and he said, Redemption Church. Julio is relational to his core. Sometimes so much so, it's hard to get to know who Julio really is. What Julio really thinks or what Julio is really about. It wasn't until recently that I think I finally saw what God is bringing into the world through Julio. Julio, I name in you the gift of hospitality. Hospitality is the gift of making environments for people to feel loved and feel belonging. Julio can walk into a room and he can immediately feel if something is lame or if something is fun. But what is special about him is that he knows what to do in order to make environments fun. He has incredibly good instincts. And when it comes to making sure things are enjoyable and everyone is having a good time, he is on it. And for years, for years, our youth group has enjoyed having a PlayStation before and after youth group. Tons of kids have played on this PlayStation. They have enjoyed having a huge FIFA tournament out here on Martin Luther King Day. But what our youth group doesn't know 
is that that was not my PlayStation. It was not the church's PlayStation. It was Julio's. Since eighth grade, Julio would pack up his PS4 and controllers. He'd put it in his backpack. And he would literally walk from his house to the church in rain, snow, or heat. One time he asked me, can I bring a PlayStation? I was like, yeah, sure. And from then on, every youth group, he would bring it and set it up. And, and, and he would just let anyone play. He would just invite everyone to play. The more people, the better. So Julio, we need you to recognize this gift. We need you to keep working to create environments where everyone can find love and belonging. Julio, we love you. And we're proud of you. <laughs> Winnie Capel. Winnie, I had your speech and your gift ready to go, and I realized that last second I needed to change everything. <laughs> because I was, I was going to give you the gift of encouragement. And I'm sure everyone would be like, yeah, encouragement, Winnie, yeah, that's encouragement. That's probably what she has. But I felt, though, that this did not capture... The essence of your being. I know that's a lot, but just follow me for a second. <laughs> I sat there looking at the white Google Doc for a long time, trying to sense what I think your, your gift is. And I think I cracked it. Winnie started coming to youth group senior year. Uh, she came in all bubbly and happy and silly, and all of her friends love her. It was delightful. And it was like, oh, yeah, she fit right in. But it was after youth group one night where we were talking that I realized a level to Winnie that I don't think her friends understand about her. Or at least I don't think they give it enough attention. We talked until like 9.30 or something about theology and if, and, and if Christianity really matters in the world. And you see, a lot of people don't realize Winnie is smiley and happy and encouraging. But there is an edge to Winnie. It's not like, it's not like a darkness, like depression. That's like people who don't understand it. That's what they would say. The kids say that. But it's not that. Winnie is willing to hold and include and sometimes even mine difficult and painful emotions into her life and being. She's totally comfortable in dark places. Winnie, this is why I name in you the gift of pastoring. I'm not saying you should become a pastor. Don't do that. <laughs> but I'm telling you that you are pastoral and there isn't much you can do about it. People draw near to you. And, and everyone will say, it's because, oh, you're so encouraging and wonderful. And, and it's true, you are that. But they draw near to you because there's a depth to you. You are a kind of anchor in the middle of a storm. You have a weight to your soul. And here's my challenge for you, Winnie. I know that you feel different than your friends and peers sometimes. It's okay. You aren't crazy. You aren't alone. And you don't need to pretend to be something you're not. Keep going after the heavy and the difficult things of our life. Go after the deeper questions and the deeper meanings. Because Winnie, your vessel is strong and you can sail these waters. Winnie, we love you and we're proud of you. <laughs> Reese. Uh, Reese, it was your seventh grade year. Not only was Reese new to youth group, he was new to Redemption Church. I've never met this kid before at this point. When uh, one weekend, Clint Razor and I planned a, a lock-in for the youth group at the Aletha Community Center. And we got it all set up, and the kids showed up, and we're having this great time. And now I confess, to you, <laughs> I confess to you, I don't know why I did this, and I really don't know what was going on in my brain. 
But we were in the gym at the Lathrop Community Center, and I saw a playground ball sitting on the sideline of the basketball court. And I thought to myself, maybe it was like an anxiety release. I'm going to destroy that playground ball and just send it flying through the gym. And I did. And sure enough, that playground ball went to the rafters, and it was flying across three basketball courts side by side. And then I saw him. This seventh grade boy walking alone up against the wall at the very far end of the gym. And my brain did the, the math and trajectories. And I realized there's a good chance this asteroid of a ball was going to destroy this poor seventh grade kid's face. And I remember feeling that tinge of panic right before the ball hit you in the face. <laughs> your feet go up, your head goes down, your glasses go flying. And it was the first time I ever met Reese. Uh, Reese, I name in you the gift of helping because from that moment to today, all Reese has done for this church is help. He helped start the youth band. He helped lead worship for all of you. You probably didn't even know he's a senior. Uh, he has helped me with numerous little projects here and there throughout the years. I can ask Reese to do anything, and he's like, Yeah, I got it. Reese loves to take his unique set of gifts and abilities and use them to help something that is larger than himself. Reese, I name in you the gift of helping. Whether it was helping a friendship by driving Brett around for years while he didn't have a car, <laughs> or basically keeping the heartbeat of the youth band alive when Josh moved and couldn't lead it anymore. Reese loves to help others be a part of something larger than any of us individually. Reese, we love you and we're proud of you. This is Vanessa Pineda. Vanessa, I'm going to start uh, my talk by admitting to you that I made a huge mistake. <laughs> She's like, mm-hmm, you did. Uh, in front of everyone, I confess to you, I should have asked you to be an intern. I should have. I screwed up. And I know that you have been kind to forgive me, but ever since we stood out there roasting marshmallows, and you said to me, you know, Cole, you should have asked me to be an intern. And I realized that you were right, and there was nothing I could say. <laughs> I have felt horrible about that. Because you see, Vanessa floats under the radar. She is not going to draw attention to herself. Even when she pointed out my obvious error next, next to the fire, she said it with a big smile like, you know, Cole, you are so dumb. <laughs> Vanessa, works a, <laughs> Vanessa works a job for herself and for her family. She makes great grades. She has big dreams. She is a special kid who deserves every opportunity and, and help she can get, because this, is, this girl is the safest of bets to not squander anything you throw her way. She will take whatever you give her and make it better. But none of that is why you should have been an intern. Vanessa, I name in you the gift of leadership. Leadership is not a bunch of stuff you can accomplish or do, but rather your ability to bring people along as you pursue the life that God has planned for you. Well, I think that you have all the raw material to build a beautiful life. You have a unique ability to inspire people to follow you. So I challenge you with this. And I saw it at Taco Bell that night. A bunch of us went and got food after youth group. When you speak, people listen to you. When you correct people, you do it without any hidden agenda. When you have a dream, you not only accomplish it, you can bring people along with you. And I ask that you lean into this. I ask that you realize this. Do not be afraid to take leadership positions. 
And if leaders, if other leaders don't select you for a leadership position because they overlooked you, don't give up. Give up. That's on them. That's not on you. Vanessa, we love you and we're proud of you. You guys come up. Thanks. Obviously, there's a problem on the live stream. I understand. My mouth's a little dry. This is Brooke Rich. Brooke, Brooke stood up to our youth group in high school. I know her senior year uh, left her working a lot, but Brooke has been a faithful member of Redemption Church, singing in the band and being in relationships with a lot of people here at Redemption. Uh, Brooke even got up and shared her wilderness story with the youth group this year, which was very brave. Uh, this was uniquely brave for Brooke because if Brooke had her way, she'd be sitting in the back corner of the room watching everyone and writing in her notebook. <laughs> you have to understand something about the relationship between Brooke and her notebook. It is a very special bond. Brooke is a writer. She is always writing. She's processing her thoughts and emotions from her heart to her pen to her paper. I once saw it sitting on the table at the retreat and nobody was around. And I have to tell you, Brooke, it was surprisingly hard not to pick that thing up and start, start reading it. I did not do it. I did not do it. But every so often throughout her time in the youth ministry here at Redemption, she would read something to us from that notebook. Uh, her wilderness story was one of those, those times. And she does, and she does uh, you, can, you can tell within those pages, contains a heart and a mind that is truly and deliberately putting her world and herself in proper order. Brooke is drilling down on the deep truths of this life. And this is why I name in you the gift of wisdom. Whenever I would teach, especially on Sunday morning in the youth room, I always had this little secret. If I ever said something that I saw Brooke write down in her notebook, I knew it was good. I knew I really like landed that point. But I always knew that what she was writing down was just some knowledge that I had given her. But the special thing about Brooke is that that idea or that insight that I gave you, it was going to go through pages upon pages of reflections and edits and the knowledge that I gave you would turn into wisdom. So I challenge you, Brooke. You don't have to be up front. You don't have to be this big speaker. But don't hide in the corner. <laughs> Find the courage to share what God is bringing into the world through you. Otherwise, I am going to steal your notebook and publish it on the internet. <laughs> Brooke, we love you and we're proud of you. Cesar. This is Cesar Romero. Uh, I remember the first time I met Cesar. Uh, he was this young middle school kid with wide eyes and huge cheeks, and he was playing soccer with his brother, uh, Samuel. Who's here? Yep, there he is. Samuel was really good at soccer, uh, and Cesar was too. He was just really young, and he was trying to keep up. Uh, he, kept, he, he, was, he loved his brother, and he, you know, he was just uh, he was trying to keep up. But then all of a sudden, um, these two disappeared. Like, they came to our soccer camp, and we saw him at soccer camp, and then, like, like Cesar just was just gone. Then one youth group, Julio came up to me and was like, hey, you got to meet my friend Cesar. And I was like, okay. And I walked out, and there was this tall, lanky kid with black rim glasses standing there in front of me, and he looked so familiar. And I was like, I know this kid from somewhere. And I remember he was wearing this shirt with roses on it, and it had, like, this real cool design. And I thought to myself, oh, this kid must be, like, an artist or something. And... 
then it clicked. No, this is like Cesar from soccer camp. And how did this like bright-eyed soccer player all, be, all of a sudden become like this moody artist? Like what happened in this time? Uh, but he's still an athlete, don't let him fool you. He likes to hide it, but he's, oh, see, see. Uh, I was wrong about Cesar. Uh, Cesar is way more interesting than labeling him an artist or a, an athlete. In fact, labeling Cesar is not a good idea. He is interested in the medical field. He plays video games. He, he's athletic. He's creative. He works really hard. He's an incredible friend. He's super smart. Cesar has a lot going for him, and he can do a lot of different things. Cesar, this is why I name in you the gift of discernment. Cesar is quiet and doesn't say much. So his friends often don't listen to him. Uh, but something like this scenario would happen all the time. I would sit down on the couches out in the atrium after youth group, and it would be me and Cesar and a friend of his, and Cesar's friend would be explaining a problem or a drama going on, and then another friend would show up, and they would be talking about this drama and whatever, and, and eventually they would ask me a question, and I would give my advice, and the entire time Cesar is not doing anything. He's not talking, he's not saying anything. He's just like sitting there while this massive conversation's happening. And then I would give my advice, and Cesar would like get these big eyes like this, and then he'd go... It's like he already knew what to do, and nobody asked him, and he didn't say anything. So I'm telling you, speak up. Cesar, your gift of discernment means I trust your gut. I trust what you think is right. We trust you. Cesar, we love you, and we're proud of you. Sit Lolly Silva, you and I talk a lot. Um, we talk about your family. We talk about your boyfriends. Boyfriend. Whoops. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a good joke. Okay, we, uh, we, talk, about your, we talk about your dreams. Um, and I try to teach you life lessons that you ignore. It's great. You come by my office and I'll let you play what you call music from my computer speakers. Um, and the whole time praying that nobody from the church walks in and hears the things that are coming from my office because they would ask me what is going on. Uh, I know that youth group for you has been a kind of escape. It has been since seventh grade. And I remember when you accidentally wandered into the youth group. And you really did. It's like you kind of just accidentally wandered in and you're like, what is this place? That actually is probably exactly how that happened. Um, when you were in this building, you have... You, you smile, you are brave, you are playing. You, it seems as though when you're here, you are totally yourself. And then I didn't see you until like sophomore year. You were gone. And I had no idea what happened to you. But I know in that time, your home moved a lot. Your center was always moving. But when you showed back up here sophomore year, it took a bit of time. But I eventually started to see that seventh grade joy again. The light came back in your eyes, and you were here with us laughing and playing, and you were incredibly brave. You got up and you shared your wilderness story for our, for our youth group, and it was such a gift to us. But I know that your center began moving again. But here's what I know about you. The only time I have ever seen you cry is when you talk about how much you love your siblings. 
when you talk about how much you would give for them to be happy and healthy. I also watch you with your friends. You would give anything for your friends. And so, Lolly, this is why I name you the gift of giving. The way you give of yourself to your family and friends is a gift. But my challenge to you is to balance that by letting those who truly love you give back to you. While your gift is to give, I pray you give yourself the opportunity to feel loved as much as you love. And while I know you see youth group as a kind of escape at times, because I know your center often moved all over the place, I pray you come to see that this building and these people can be a kind of home for you, a home that doesn't move, a home that you can safely put your heart here. Sitlali, we love you and we are proud of you. Lily Winston, I, I kind of have already said this to you, Lily, but it's true. I took you for granted for five years. I did. I took you for granted. Uh, not Sonia, by the way. Uh, Sonia, your small group leader, has been saying to me for years, Lily is incredible. She's a rock star. She's incredible. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But I, I'm going to try to articulate to you what I mean when I say I took you for granted. And I hopefully teach or show you how you taught me to be more like you. I was going back through pictures of our seniors and all the stuff that we have been through over the past five years, and Lily is in like every single picture. Lily has been showing up for everything we have done for years. While she would never really draw much attention to herself, she has always been in and around everything the youth group has done. Lily is also bizarrely calm. Like, it's strangely calm. Uh, she doesn't need much from you. Like, she's, she's good. And I said this about Lily for a while now, but it's like she draws her energy from someplace else, some mysterious place that I do not have access to, but I would really like to find it. <laughs> Lily is sneaky confident, and uh, she takes risks and allows herself to be vulnerable in ways that I never would have dreamed to do at her age. I mean, when we were forming a youth band, she showed up with her flute to the youth band practice, and was like, yeah, I know it's a flute, but your job is to make a band so I can play the flute so you figure out how to make it fit in. <laughs> and we never really figured out how to make a flute fit into the youth band. But I think about that a lot, right? That story is Lily. Walking into the room with what she can do, putting herself out there, and seeing what happens. Whatever the result, being at peace with it and moving on to the next thing, confident and calm, never blaming never complaining, just showing up and being Lily. Lily, this is why I name in you the gift of faith. Faith is not some Excel spreadsheet of beliefs that you have to force yourself to, like, agree with. Faith is fidelity. We talk about this all the time. Or, or loyalty. Lily is an incredibly loyal person. But here's what she taught me about fidelity. Fidelity is not about needing. It's about choosing. Lily lives pretty far north of the church and doesn't go to school with students from the youth group. And you, and you know how kids are. Uh, they tend to make friends who is the most consistently in their path and who is probably the most like them. And so it's hard for students to make friends when it requires extra work. But Lily showed up every Wednesday dis despite not making connections, deep connections for years. It probably wasn't until like junior year that she found deep community in the youth group. 
And the thing that haunts me about Lily is why. Why would you keep showing up? Why would you keep showing up when it was so hard? The, the thing is, is that the youth community didn't have anything she really needed in some way. Lily wanted us. Lily chose us. That is faith and love. You loved a group of people who weren't perfect to you. And that is how you taught me to be more like you. Lily, we love you and we're proud of you. Up first here is Anthony Guerrero. These, are, these four are our, are our senior interns this year. Um, but Anthony Guerrero is the king of one-liners. I have probably shared more of Anthony's one-liners in sermons and conversations around here than anything else from the youth group. Anthony's brain is unique. It's like a buzzsaw. He is always ready for a comeback. It's actually quite shocking. It's actually quite shocking. Uh, he is, Anthony is like the kid who runs his mouth and starts a fight. And then in the middle of the fight, you look around and he's leaving on his bike to go home. You're like, wait, wait, what, is, what just happened here? Anthony is smart, like sneaky smart. He tries to disarm you by being funny and acting like he doesn't pay attention. But Anthony is on it. He knows how things work. He learns really quick, and he isn't going to be anybody's fool. Anthony also was taught by his mother and father how to work, and work really hard. Something you might not know about Anthony is that in the summers, Anthony works with his dad in construction. Roofing, drywalling, all that. Anthony is a workhorse. But those, aren't, those reasons are not why I picked him to be an intern. Anthony, I name in you the gift of faith. As I said before... Faith is not a set of beliefs that you have to force yourself to believe. Faith is loyalty. And the reason I wanted Anthony to be an intern is because Anthony is one of the most loyal people I know. When Anthony trusts you, he lets you all the way into his heart and his mind. And he will move heaven and earth to help you and be there for you. I don't know if you saw the graduation videos, but uh, getting high school kids to make those are super difficult. You're trying to like remind them, please make the video, please make the video. I could have asked Anthony for 15 videos and he would just kept opening up his heart and sharing what he thinks about his friends. And he's like, and I eventually had to go like, okay, that's enough, Anthony, that's, that's enough videos. Uh, one time, this is a good story. One time Julio started hanging out with a new group of friends and he was hanging out with, he wasn't hanging out with Anthony uh, as much. And Anthony said to me, I cannot wait for Julio to stop hanging with these new friends because when he tries to come back and be friends with me, I'm gonna be like, nope, sorry, bro. Too late. See you later. And I said, I said, Anthony, that's not true. You love Julio. And he paused and he took a deep breath and he said, I know, Julio's my boy. <laughs> Anthony, God will never give up on you. Throughout your time with us, I hope you have come to see that like God, Redemption Church cannot fix all your problems, all your troubles, but we can be with you and for you as we go through them together. Anthony, we love you, and we are proud of you. All right, Jacob Kapaska. Jacob is a Christian, a philosopher, a leader, a senior intern, a son, a brother, a gamer, a college student, an incredible dresser, 
a fan of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, an HVAC repair student, the driver of that one car in the parking lot that you know what I'm talking about, a friend of the coolest 60-year-old I know, aware of overalls, an advocate for Thanos, a socially awkward middle schooler, a hilarious storyteller, an eye roller, a discord legend, a come with guy, a go with guy, a date specialist, a cosmic encounter master, the friend you go to for advice, the friend you stay away from when you've been, in, you've been doing something that you shouldn't be doing because you're gonna get a lecture, a lecture, a unifier, an arguer, a helper, a guy who knew about marble racing before marble racing was cool, a cook, a woodworker, a baker, a guy who rocked a mustache, a guy who embraces chest hair, a guy who lights bonfires with gasoline, a lover of fried chicken, and finally, and most fundamentally, a great friend. I was trying to think how I could introduce Jacob to you, and I realized I really can't. You're just going to have to meet Jacob. In a world where the internet has pressured, peer pressured teenagers to bury anything about them that makes them unique, Jacob has gone the other direction. Jacob is boldly Jacob. And that is why I'm going to name for Jacob a gift that I have never named in anyone before. I've never used this gift. And I know he just lit up. He loves that. <laughs> uh, this is the first time I felt totally confident to do this. Jacob, I'm naming you the gift of apostleship. Apostleship is weird. Uh, it's, it's this role in the church that we don't talk a lot, a lot about. But you're going to recognize the role. We have to be clear. This is not a pastor. It's not that. The role of the apostle is its own thing. There are people who have been given authority in the church due to their character and their wide-ranging gifts and abilities. And I would say it like this. Apostles are people who have been so shaped by Christ that they know what it means to be a friend. While they may live and work other places, at the center of their life is the church and the church community. They love it. They care for it. They serve it. And they can be trusted to help lead it. Jacob, that is you. I, I, and I can't really believe I'm saying that. Here's why. Blake and, I, Blake and I actually talk about this a lot. When you were younger, watching you make friends and be in community was sometimes difficult. Making friends was not always easy for you. You always seemed to try to be something you weren't. And I remember the day you sat in my office and you just decided, I'm going to own my story. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to try to be the healthiest human being I can be. And I'm going to love those who I come in contact with. And Jacob, you have grown more in the last two years than most kids do in the entirety of high school. You should be proud of the impact you have had on our youth group and our church. Jacob, we love you and we are proud of you. Joel Pittenger. Two years ago, uh, Joel's older brother graduated high school. And these two years were now Joel's time, and a motto rose uh, to, to represent this two-year period where Joel is in charge. Uh, Jake is dead, long live Joel. <laughs> he was the he's the big dog now, right? But that motto in some way never really captured how Joel works and what Joel cares about. Let me share a story to explain. We were once playing basketball at the retreat. It was Joel and I on one team and Jake and someone else on the other team. I can't remember who. But I, I noticed something about Joel that is quite unique and it really revealed to me who Joel is. 
Basketball is normally a sport where two teams play each other and you try to score some more points than the other team. But when you're playing with a Pittenger, much less two Pittengers, usually games within games begin to form. And that is exactly what happened here. Uh, Jake and Joel began to trash talk each other. Uh, well, Joel began to trash talk. Uh, the younger brother began to uh, incredibly try incredibly hard to get under his older brother's skin. And if you know Joel, he is, he is so good at trash talk. And he knows all the ways to get back, to get through his older brother's defenses. He went after every vulnerability Jake had, but masterfully never crossing the line. It was really impressive. Here's what's weird. Joel is a better basketball player than Jake. Joel has like this sweet jump shot and he has great body control on drives. He's faster and he actually understands basketball really well. In fact, Joel and I only needed one shot to really win the game. And I ran a little experiment. I don't know if he knows this. I think I've told him this before. But every time I got the ball, it was the last shot of the game. Every time I got the ball, I would pass it to Joel. And I wanted to see if he would take the final shot. Would he end the game? Every time I passed the ball to you, he would say something to Jake, some trash talk, and then he would dribble and drive, and he'd kick it back out to me. Every time. It was like five straight times I just kept passing the ball to him. He wouldn't end the game. This story is more Joel than anything I can tell you. Because Joel loves to play. He loves the game. He doesn't really want it to end. Even though he was better than his older brother, he loves him. And he didn't want the fun to stop. And it was fun and hilarious and everyone had a great time. And this is why I name in you, Joel, the gift of mercy. Joel actually has experienced a lot of loss through his friends. His friend group has experienced a lot, a lot of difficult times. And I think Joel has been with him, Joel has been with him through it all. And he talks about this. He talks about his friends a lot and how much he loves them and how, how much he feels in some way echoes of their pain. And I've told your mother before, Joel, I think you have a massive capacity for spirituality and relationship. There is so much space in you for love. And much like that basketball game, I think you learned early on that relationships are more important than the result. That connection with each other is just simply what you are going to be about. While jobs and career and winning and money is, is of course going to be a thing and you'll figure that out. A full life is one lived together. Joel, we love you and we're proud of you. Hi, Paola. This is Paola Baez. Come right here, stand up. <laughs> it's okay, you, you're good. Paola was one of our senior interns, and I uh, actually have a funny story to, to, to start. I think perfectly captures who Paola wants you to think she is. Uh, I was talking to one of our senior interns, uh, it was Joel actually, and I think we were texting and I said something about Paola, like, uh, hey, you and Paola will be working on this project or something like that. And there was this long pause in the text thread, and finally Joel texted back, Paola is one of the most intimidating girls I've ever met. <laughs> and it's true. Paola gives off this like tough vibe that is pretty hard to ignore. Right now she's nervous, but if you get to know Paola, she, she just is not impressed with you. And the truth is, Paola is tough. Paola has been through and lived through a lot in her life. 
but she never really let that get in the way of friendship and connection. I once found out Paola was, uh, was walking to youth group from her home. The problem was she lived two and a half miles from the church. She didn't tell a soul, and I had no idea this was happening. But this is what Paola wants you to think about her. And it is true. You are very strong, and you are very resilient. But Paola, I want to name in you the gift of encouragement. Throughout the years, I would hear these little stories, these little secret things that Paola would do for people that always kind of shocked me. You would, you would never know about it. She would never tell you. But I found out, Paola. I heard. Paola, as a senior, stayed up until like 2 or 3 a.m. on the retreat and watched Bring It On with a freshman girl who had never been on the retreat before. As far as I know, I don't even know if you, if you knew who each other were. She just did it and didn't tell a soul. Like, do you know what that means to a freshman to have a senior stay up late with you and watch a movie? When we were sorting out small groups, every time I came across a kid who I would say to our interns, you know, this girl really needs a friend or she's going through a hard time, Paola would immediately chime in and say, put them in Sonia's group. We got her every time. Every time a kid was going through something, you, you wanted her to be with you and Sonia. And lastly, this. Paola was a freshman, and she signed up to be a greeter on Sunday morning uh, for the season of Epiphany. A lot of our youth group kids do jobs during the season of Epiphany. And she has never been to this church before, like her freshman year. And she got done greeting in the back, and she sat down in the wooden chairs right over here in the back by herself. And I was just watching her to make sure, you know, everything's going okay. And it came time for the offering. And I thought to myself, oh, this is kind of weird. She has no idea what's going on. These, 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 these plates are, or these bucket things are being passed. Uh, and nobody saw this. She was in the back. Nobody was watching. She didn't even know I was watching. And when the basket came over to her, Paola, as a freshman, takes out a $10 bill and places it in the basket. And that's when I knew. Paola, you have been through a lot. And you are resilient and strong, but your heart is the most resilient thing about you. Throughout everything that you've been through, you somehow have figured out how to take the pain of your life and transform it into encouragement for other people. Pillow, we love you, and we are proud of you. So we're going to ask our Actually, everyone, if you will stand, and our graduates, if you will go um, stand with your families. Usually we would gather all around up front, but we're going to have you go um, gather around your families. Yeah, yeah, and maybe have the small group leaders come, come up here or, or gather around those guys. <laughs> that would be great. Actually, do that. That's, that's way better. Um, and... Um, and this is a big this is a big moment for us, man. This is a really big moment. Um, we want to bless you um, with your final blessing of your life as a student, as, as a youngster. Now you're an adult, and um, oh man, this is it's it's intense for us and joyful. So everybody, if you would gather around your senior, um, place a hand on them. If you're, you're not right around them, um, just raise a hand toward them and let's, let's pray a blessing upon them. Almighty God, 
creator and sustainer of all that is. You have made us in your image and designed us for life with you. And today we give you thanks and praise for our graduates and their families. And our hearts rejoice at this great milestone in their lives. We thank you for each of these graduates. They have been a blessing to their families and to our church so much already, and we're so proud of them. We celebrate each of them and these unique spiritual gifts that Cole has named in them here today. And we pray now that um, they would look to you to know how to steward those gifts for your kingdom. And so here, as we just pause, um, breathing in your spirit, the spirit that binds us to you, that gives us life, the spirit that um, moves in the spaces in between us and binds us together. Um, we give you thanks for this life within them. And we ask you, our God, to bless them. We ask you to protect them from the powers of darkness and chaos in this world. We ask you to keep them safe. Make them health and healthy and strong. Make their bodies healthy and strong, their souls, their minds healthy and strong. Continue to help them grow and mature. Give them friendship, people to lock arms with and do life together, friends who are Christians who can um, support them and help challenge them and lead them towards you. And when they struggle, Lord, we pray that they would sense how close you are to them and how much you love them, that you literally could not love them more because you love them completely. And that when life is hard, that you would be a comfort. And that the people of God would be a comfort. And this day, as we um, lay hands on them and bless them, we call them forward once again to join with the body of Christ to give their hearts to you, their lives to you, to stay connected to the church, to contend against evil, to fight for peace, to fight for justice in the world, to look after those on the margins and the left out and the left behind, just as our Savior did, and to bear witness in so doing with their very lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his redemption that moves forth powerfully in the world. More than anything, we pray for them now, what we have prayed for them every single week, that there would never be a single moment in their lives that don't, they don't feel part of the people of God. And so we bless them, and we ask you to bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We are going to receive communion now. Seniors, should they come, come on back up to where they